Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, having some real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Brett, and I am excited to have around the table with me Miss Crystal Chang. Hey, guys. Ashley Bohens. Hello. And for the first time, our dear friend from Arizona, Shane Sanchez. Hi, everyone. So, Shane, you're hanging out with us on the podcast for the first time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I am first a husband mm. of one wife. Mm-hmm. Name's Heather. All right. <laughs> oh. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> it's important. Uh, and I have two little boys, Asher and Oliver, and I'm a youth pastor at Mission Community Church. We're in Gilbert, Arizona, which is in Phoenix, roughly. Because when you think cool. about Arizona, you think about Phoenix. So it's we're the, out there. It's the only place, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Pretty much everything Dale. is Phoenix. Get out of here, Scottsdale. Come on, Scott. Please. <laughs> I, I literally don't know if I can name another city in Arizona. That's it. Sedona. Sedona. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Wasn't Sedona like a, a Coles brand? Sedona? A Coles brand. <laughs> Right? It should of be. All if it's the not. Weird references. <laughs> is, you, is that what you're wearing? There right might now? be there might be like repressed things from my childhood. Like, no, you wear this Sedona button up to church. I'm not gonna do it, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, if you're listening, I love you. So today we're talking about this idea of why you should kill something that's working. And specifically what we're talking about is so often good things keep us from the great things, right? We've kind of probably all heard those kind of quotes before, like good is the the enemy of great and good keeps us from better, different things like that. And so the reality is that I know that in my experience, there have been all sorts of programs or events or different things like that, that that we've done or that happened that we thought went really well, that worked. People showed up for Mm -hmm. it. Energy was good. It actually, you know, we didn't lose money on it. People actually Mm -hmm. paid to show up or, you know, they did what they were supposed to. But when you think about strategy, did it, was it really beneficial for us? And so today we're just going to be having that conversation of why you should kill some things that are actually working in your ministry. So let's just kind of start with some of those, some of those reasons. So if you were having a conversation with someone, why would you say are some good reasons that you would want to stop doing something, even though it may have had some success? I mean, we once killed a camp that, believe me, everybody loved, <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't, we, we were taking to our, our students to a camp that was not small groups focused, and yet small groups was a huge value in our ministry, so mm. it just didn't line up anymore. Um, but as you can imagine, killing a camp everyone loves does not make you popular. Right? At least for a period of time. Yeah. Until everyone (laughs) sees the strategy working, it's like, why do you hate us? Right. (laughs) And it's someone's senior year every year. (laughs) How could you do this to me, Crystal? my senior year. I think that another great reason would be if nobody can tell you the reason that you're doing the event. Like you've somehow, in the midst of the years of doing it, you've lost your reason why, or you know your reason why, but you're not measuring it at all. So Mm. you haven't figured out if it's working or not. That why is really important. I, I think anytime there's a shift in strategy, even a shift in vision or however you would approach that in the ministry, maybe you're stepping into a new role or something shifting in your church or for whatever reason you feel led in a different direction the way that you're leading, you have to ask that why question. Mm -hmm. There's going to be things from the past that don't align with that anymore. And that, that might be a great reason to kill something. Shay, I know just from knowing you that you went through some of that at your church. Could you talk a little bit about what, what you killed and why you killed it? 
We killed a lot of things. <laughs> there, there are a lot of things that are that are dead. Um, some of them really, really great things. But uh, a few years ago, our, our vision shifted drastically. And because of that, we were beginning to reach a brand new group of people. Many of them had zero church experience or moderately or just hadn't been to church in a long mm-hmm. time. And, and for us, we had to reevaluate and go, okay, who, whose needs are we serving best? Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. our, our programs, our events were designed in a lot of ways to, to care for those who had been there for a long time. Um, and, and that was good. And of course, if that's the case, you're getting a ton of positive feedback right, because sure. the, the, the students that are involved. They love it. It's familiar. It's what they want. Yeah. But the new students that are coming in might feel excluded. They might be confused as to this event. It might have some weird subculture that mm-hmm. they're like, who are these crazy <laughs> people? Um, and, and none of that's necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but having a vision shift, you realize, wow, there's a different way to meet people's needs, especially if they have different needs than those that are currently yeah. a part of your ministry. All right, so you, you've, you've killed a lot of things. You are a ministry <laughs> hitman, Shane. Murderer. <laughs> ministry ministry murderer. murderer. So give us... Welcome to the podcast. That's right. So give us, give us uh, some examples of, of what that could have looked like. Yeah, one that comes to mind was loved dearly in our, in our church and our ministry. It was this event called Couch Races, I don't, couch race. Anybody familiar sounds with great. that? Okay. Basically, you trick out a couch. It sounds pretty backwards. I'm not going to lie. I'm imagining wheels on a couch in a hill. Yeah, kind of, but okay. a pl- parking lot because okay. Arizona is pretty flat. Um, and you just push people around and hope nobody literally dies. Um, hope you don't actually kill someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. What a way to get rid of the youth room couch. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. It was just a whole bunch of crappy couches. You, you slap wheels on them and race them. All right. Um, yeah, I know. You're like, of course you killed this. No, it was, it was really, really popular. And the issue with it was that, that it was, it was so small group centric that we were inviting friends. We were inviting outsiders, people that weren't familiar to church to this thing that as soon as they showed up, they were a fan on the sidelines, not a participant. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't involved in this. Come watch. They weren't engaged in this. It was, yeah. come, it was come watch, which I think is always the tension we face, especially in youth ministry, whether it's a large group experience, an event or whatever. But this one was so focused that way that we went and, and said, okay, this, this isn't actually moving us towards our vision. This isn't moving us toward our strategy. It's really, really good. It's really, really loved. But is it best? Are there other things that mm-hmm. we can do that are going to be great for um, those that are here and a part of this, but also going to be more engaging for those that might want to come and, and show up to this? Yeah. Because the biggest concern was, what's the win out of this? It's really, really great for those that are already coming here really consistently, but is there something better that we can do to engage the friends that they love to bring to these events yeah. that causes them to come back? Yeah. What about you two? Any examples you can think of? Yeah, when we were transitioning our ministry to more of a small groups focused ministry, we took a look kind of at our events and um, we kind of looked at everything on the cutting board and we were asking ourselves like, what do we need to keep and what do we need to cut? And if our ultimate goal is to move students into a small group where they have a safe place to process life with an adult and some students their age, then we had to ask ourselves, is every event and program that we have, do they all act as steps towards that? And if they're not taking students towards that, is it something that's actually benefiting our ministry, regardless if it's fun or not? Mm. And so we made several changes. And some of the, the biggest ones I can think of was similarly, Shane, we had an event called The Hunt, and it was like a countywide scavenger hunt, and students would sign up their teams and parents would drive. Um, and it was like the beloved event at our church. And it was it was really fun. And there was this whole like 
storyline happening and, you know, our lead pastor, we had like a stuntman jump out of a helicopter coming down to the church and then the lead pastor ran around and acted like it was him and it was super fun. But (laughs) we slapped wheels on a couch. (laughs) So you're killing it. That's great. Wow. I'm sure we can all relate, relate to yeah. the yeah, pastor yeah. stuntman jumping out of that. Well, I was trying to like show you how awesome it was. It and by amazing. the way, all of that was not like, that was our, our, our uh, high school pastor, Jason, who was amazing at um, being creative with that stuff. But anyways, we started asking ourselves kind of like, you know, they weren't, the students weren't signing up in the, in their small group and they weren't signing up with their small group leader. And originally the event was born to be something where you could bring visitors with you to experience this thing with the, the youth ministry. And then maybe they'd want to come back someday. But as we kind of dug deeper, we realized like, have we even tracked what guests mm. came mm-hmm. and did we do anything with their names after the event? Like, have any of them come back? Are we even paying attention to that? Like, is it useful for students to sign up with their friends if that's not who's in their small group? Because coming on, like on Sunday, when we have small group, did that event strengthen the relationships in that circle? Mm. Because if it didn't, then it wasn't moving us towards our goal. And so we decided to kill it and think of something better where the small group could attend together in order to strengthen that. So what I'm hearing is that we, we need to be able to articulate what our goal is in ministry Mm -hmm. in order to really know if something is, is beneficial or not. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I know for me in so many years, if you would have said, hey, what what's your goal in ministry? I would have probably talked about the Great Commission or I probably mm-hmm. would have, you know, I want, you know, I want kids to, to, to know who Jesus is, to love and things like that, which heck yeah. Like, I think that we all have, have that kind of a goal. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you help refine or define what a goal is that becomes the filter that you make all these decisions on when it comes to programming, when it comes to events? I have a story. Oh, story time. Story time. Crystal Chang. (laughs) So um, long before I realized I wasn't good at this, some people would ask me to babysit (laughs) their children. And I'm I'm a terrible babysitter. I'm the last person you should ask to keep your children alive. But point taken. But when I was young and, and single, but she's people, a small group leader. Right? Teenagers, Teenagers, great, but like different. small children, terrible plan. But I used to do that for couples in my church because they would go, "Oh, you're a girl. You're probably good at this." But I wasn't. <laughs> um, and I was babysitting a a couple's toddlers, and their three year old said the word authenticity, and I thought, well, <laughs> that's interesting. How do you know that word? And he points to a sign above the fireplace and he goes, oh, it's one of our family values. Authenticity means being your real self all the time with everyone. Holy mm. smokes. And I went, whoa. So, of course, when mom and dad get home, I'm like, A, he's alive. Be impressed. But B, <laughs> what is this family values? And they said, oh, as a family, we need a way to make decisions on what we do and don't do. So, we decided ahead of time what our values are and that's the filter for everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think as ministries, that's one of the best things we can do early on is decide what do we value? Not just the Great Commission, even though the Great Commission is great, but like specifically mm-hmm. what's going to be unique about us, what's going to be our value, what what will we value enough to kill something else? Yeah. And then that's a great way to explain it when you have to kill something of, oh, well, that's different than what our values are. But those have to be above the fireplace, if you know what I mean. 
Interesting. And I think it's important to look like further than the next event. And so you think when they walk out of my middle school ministry, by the time they walk out as a senior in high school, I like this would be my heart for Mm. them. I would want them to have you know, people their age that they connect with and can be authentic with. And I would want them have, to have some adults in their life that they trust. If that's your goal, I'm just using that as an example because that was sure. our goal. Um, then you back into it and you think, okay, events-wise, small group-wise, weekend-wise, parent strategy, everything should point towards that goal. And kind of from ninth grade to 12th grade, everything just keeps building. Because I know for me, I felt like I realized when I was thinking of this transition was everything worked independently of each other. Like there were mm. so many competing systems happening. Mm-hmm. Like we would have different leaders for camps than we had for the small groups on the weekends. And we would have, it mm-hmm. felt like you were starting from scratch every single time and you were never, you were just kind of treading water. You weren't really moving anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for Shane, for you guys specifically, how, how did you get to a place where you were like, you know what, this this is doing some things, but now we have this direction we want to go. We have these this goal, these values, whatever language that you want to use. How did you guys get to that place where you were willing to make a hard decision to stop doing something that for a lot of people seemed like it was working because it wasn't pointing towards the direction you wanted to go? Yeah, that's that's great. I- I think as Crystal and Ashley both said, values were actually huge for us. I mean, we, we created literal, essentially organizational values, but for the youth ministry. And one of those values was simple steps. Hmm. So we want every teenager to be able to take simple steps towards an authentic faith of their own, no matter where they are in their walk with Jesus, or if that walk is non-existent at this point, we want them to be able to take an on-ramp onto a freeway that's leading them somewhere. So so for us, I think we, we had a bunch of on-ramps to our freeway, to our ministry, if, if you will. But once you got on, you're kind of stuck in traffic. Yeah. Like to, just to, to use that analogy, I, I think now we go, okay, let's, let's take away some of the on-ramps. And, and I'm talking about events, you know, um, just different aspects of the ministry programs, whatever else. Let's get rid of some of those on-ramps and be more strategic with them. So mm-hmm. there's an on-ramp to meet a teenager who's at step negative five in their relationship with Jesus. There's an on-ramp to meet a teenager that's at two. There's an on-ramp to meet a teenager that's at, at step 10 in, in their walk with him. Um, but regardless of where they are, they're going to step onto and, and into the ministry and have steps to take beyond mm. that, whether that's strengthening their existing faith or it's just having a safe place to ask any type of question. Uh, so that was a big thing for us. We went, I, th- I think there's too many on-ramps to our freeway. <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities for people to come and check these things out. But once they're here, what are we actually doing with them? Where yeah. are we actually leading them? So to, to strategize that way and to go, there's, there's got to be a next step regardless of who they are or where they're at um, was, was crucial. Yeah, it's almost like decisions. they weren't on ramps, but they're like overlooks. Like I think, yeah. I think there's yeah, a lot of times. Great. I think there's a lot of times in the church that we use on ramps a lot, yeah. and we just mean overlook. Like this yeah. isn't this event doesn't exist for you to get into the to the to the stream of where we're going. Mm-hmm. It exists for you to to have a, 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 a sneak Look. peek, and That's there so might good. you know like that was one of the things I know that we had conversations about when I was in ministry of the value of having an unintimidating environment for people to really have a first experience of what church is like or what, what this place can be. So I think there's some value of that, but if, if it's not strategic, then it just becomes a, a come watch, come and see, and then, Hey, balls in your court. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not, that's not a strategy. Yeah. I don't think it's just on ramps either. Um, 
I, I think that makes sense as, as we're, we're talking about a, almost a form of attractional ministry or, or engaging teenagers who might mm. not get involved otherwise. But even for those that are existing, that are within the ministry, um, your events, your programs have to take them somewhere further in their faith. And you might create something for them that isn't necessarily for everyone, mm. but it creates a really simple step for them to take. I think about, we've, we've done different things in our ministry. We've done summer Bible study type things after camp and it's voluntary. It's come and show up. We're going to do a college prep course for seniors this year that are currently engaged in small groups. So could they invite anybody into that? Yes. Is it probably the best place to invite somebody for the first time? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but it exists for those that that are either part of your core or would consider themselves regular attendees or engaged to take a further step in, in the faith of their own as well. So it's not just first time events. I think it's all aspects of your ministry, regardless of where teenagers are in yeah. the walk with Jesus. Okay. So what, what do you think keeps us from actually killing some of these things that are held deep into the hearts of some of our students and volunteers. I hate conflict. Yeah. You want people to like you, right? Yes. Sometimes I tread into conflict too much. <laughs> I think Shame it's how I'm wired. I do, no, I don't want that at the all. The ministry hit me. I think it's the way that I'm wired. Sometimes my wife is like, hey, calm down. <laughs> Not terrible, but no, I get what you're saying. I do. We all wrestle with that. I think sometimes it's just fun. You know what yeah, I mean? Like true. getting a group of people and just having a good time, like that's that's fun. And I think sometimes there can be a strategy to that, but when when that becomes something that we just like that feeling of, yeah. then it's it, like that becomes almost a little bit of an ego thing. And I think sometimes in youth ministry we have to check that too. Sometimes I think we do events because of the opportunity that it gives us to hop on stage and do stand-up comedy or to, <laughs> you know, so to true. make people laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so I think sometimes the reason we don't kill things is because it kind of feeds something in us that we might not even recognize. Yeah. I think with that, even as I mentioned the, the tension piece earlier, sometimes some of us as, as leaders, we're wired to challenge the status quo. Hmm. So we might just press into something because like, this is the way that it's always been done. It can't be done like this anymore. Or the reverse of that is, this is the way that's always been done. Can I actually change it? Mm. So, mm-hmm. so that gets in the way too. It, it can be twofold. It can be, maybe it is some ego where you're going, I just have to change this because I'm new and yeah. nothing can be the way that it was. And if yeah. it's going to be the ministry I'm supposed to lead, it's got to look this way. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see that. I think that's a tension many of us face. But on the other end of that, um, I, I know, I don't know about you all, but I've had the tension of like, this is somebody's legacy who was here before yeah. me. Mm. Can I can I kill this? Am I killing them and yeah. their memories? Like th- that's a that's a tough a tough thing as well. I think also having the confidence to make that kind of call, especially when you're getting pushback because you're like, do I have enough information to be making this decision? Should I wait longer yeah. and mm-hmm. wait and talk more with more people? And then also not having the support of your leadership. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't mm-hmm. want you to kill something, mm-hmm. that also is attention for real. Yeah. Well, and that and that's where kind of the values and the goals that we're talking about seem so important. Otherwise, when someone says, "Hey, why are we stopping to do this?" our our answers are like, "Yeah, I just got a gut feeling." Yeah. That this this isn't going to go I have a better as idea. well this year. Yeah, yeah, or I have a better idea yeah. or well, I've that's always done offensive. it. I've always done it differently than that. So, mm. so for someone who's thinking like, "Okay, for some of them out there, they're like, I've got 10 things on my list already mm. that I would I would like to kill." What what are some first steps? to killing those, to, to coming up with those values, to coming up with those strategies, whatever that might be. That list is actually great. In fact, Ashley, mm-hmm. you helped me form that list. You've talked about this before in events, but 
Shame. You have. She's blushing. That's why we brought him on. <laughs> no, you you actually, um, I think it was at Orange Conference last year, mm-hmm. you encouraged us to create a, a two-kill list, which sounds awful, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wasn't people. It was programs. But you, you told us to write down what's on your list that you want to kill. So how do you think about that? How do you take steps towards towards actually executing? That's the wrong word. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking things off of that list. Execute the event. <laughs> This is a, this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that once you make a list of all your programs and events, I mean, I went through this activity myself as chef and uh, Tom Shoshunas and Brick Kitchen helped me walk through this when I was transitioning the ministry. And I think asking yourself, can I tweak this event or this program to align with my win or mm. my end goal? Uh, in, in what ways can I do it? And then also, who do I need to talk to about this to get enough information to to possibly kill it? And then also put a date that you want to kill it by. Yeah. Because it will keep you accountable to keep moving and figuring out what you need to do. And I would say if you're new in a ministry, it's okay to just ask that question of volunteers. Yeah. A lot of times, especially if volunteers are in tune with the students, they know what's not working. Yeah. Or they have some ideas, and it doesn't mean you guarantee them in the middle of the conversation, yep, got it, killing yeah. it, because that won't go well. Um, but at least it gives you a pulse of what works and what doesn't work in that community if you're new to it. Yeah. And we have to remember that you can do the right thing in the wrong way. So there so might true. be some programs and some events that need to be gone, but the the goal might be, okay, they need to be gone by 2019 or by 2020. It's not yeah. just, it's not just there three might be weeks a before step it. between. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important, especially for those of us that are wired to take leaps. Like, like some of us might just want to charge bull in a China shop style leadership. Um, and, and something you said, Ashley, in regard to having the right people to ask and talk to or, or getting the buy-in of leadership is so important. I've, I've learned that firsthand. I've wanted to run at things and I've had people that are, mm. that are much wiser than me go, hey, I think that's the right direction, but it's not the right timing. Yeah. Like, let's, mm. let's wait. It may not be best for the, for the whole church or there might be change in another level or another department of, of your organization, of your church that that is going to align with yours. And that might be too much for a group of people at one time. So to, to have a bigger picture too, outside of your ministry, when you're making some of these changes and killing some of these things is so important because yes, we're passionate about student ministry, Mm -hmm. but we have to be passionate about the local church too and do what's best for our local churches in regard to this. I think what you said, Shane, about talking with your leadership is so important because when they are behind you, when you do have those complaints, like you're not going to be standing alone in that. And I think beyond just your leadership, having conversation with some of your key volunteers mm-hmm. and get them to understand the new vision, mm. help them buy into it because strength in numbers, right? The more people that are excited about it, especially if they're influential people right. in your ministry, mm-hmm. yeah. the better. And as you're practicing casting the new vision and you're hearing questions people are asking, then once you've done that a few times with kind of your core, then you have the parent meeting, try to help parents understand the why behind yep. it mm-hmm. yep. before you ever roll it out to the students about what's coming. Help yep. them understand the new strategy and how it all works together rather than just, we're going to kill this event. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I think it's important too to have your stuff together as you go to your leadership. Yep. So kind of what you're saying, but to really think through that before mm-hmm. you sit down with your lead pastor or whoever it might be where, where, that you need to go to with this, your family pastor, next gen pastor, whatever, um, 
to stop for a moment and go, okay, I've really thought through this. I'm thinking about the questions they're going to ask me and to come prepared into that. Yeah. Because if you don't, it not only does it not, not look great, they're, they're trusting you to lead change in what is one of the most important areas of the churches yeah. and that impacts next generation and, and kids and teenagers. So um, I, I think it's important to think through your points, think through the questions that they may mm-hmm. ask you and come prepared into that conversation because it's going to help you get their weight behind you in making that decision a little bit easier. Awesome. So to kind of go back at the core of where this starts is we as the leaders of our ministries have to understand what our goals, what our strategies, what our what our values are. Yeah. And so for some people, step one of all of this might be getting away for a couple of days and mm-hmm. spending some time to really start thinking about what this looks like for me, having conversations with senior leadership, some key volunteers to say, hey, we've been kind of floating for too long and we need to start to put some of this on paper that can really guide us in the direction that we're going to go that we want to go otherwise it's all kind of gut feelings and right. hopes and thoughts and not necessarily that direction that we want to that we want to be going down and Brett, I think you make such a, a good point of we need to get away with key leaders and with volunteers mm. and even with some key parents and not make those decisions in a vacuum mm-hmm. um, because all of my decisions sound good to me when I'm by myself in a room. <laughs> but for those who are involved in the decision-making process, they just have so much more buy-in and they're so much better at communicating it to those around them that you won't be the sole person answering questions when you kill something. You'll have a team of parents and a team of volunteers who are there and understand why. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for hopping into the conversation. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We would love to hear some feedback from you guys. You can follow us, leave us comments, facebook.com slash xp3students, Twitter and Instagram at xp3students, and of course, rethinkingym.org. And if you enjoyed today's episode, Shane's first episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast app. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how amazing Shane was. I mean, we already know. (laughs) But just give us that extra feedback to help us understand how amazing Shane is. And then finally, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into this, check out the show notes, links to other resources that we've mentioned in this episode at rethinkingym.org. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm Brett. I'm Crystal. I'm Ashley. I'm Shane. Have a great day.